What's going on, you crazy Floridians? So glad to have you with us on this edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. I have to warn you today, the best part of the show is actually gone. Ginger Gadsden is on vacation. She just recently got a new puppy, so her life is a little crazy right now. She's going to be back with me next week. But this week, we are talking about something everybody's talking about. The governor, the president, you, me, our kids, schools opening back up in a pandemic. It seems like it's going to happen. The government, at the highest level, certainly pushing for it to happen. And we have a fantastic guest giving us the perspective of the people who are really going to be running the show when it comes to this, teachers. So if you're joining us now on Facebook or Periscope or YouTube and you've got a question, I'd be glad to uh, to take that question to our guest today, who is excellent, Vanessa Skipper with the Brevard Federation of Teachers. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us on our Humble Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So so you have heard the talk from politicians and uh, and from the people heading up your school district there in Brevard. I'm curious as to where you guys stand on what's happening right now. Opening schools up, brick-and-mortar schools, according to the governor, have to be open five days a week. Is the Federation of Teachers comfortable with that? Well, at this point, uh, our school board is actively discussing the plan that nobody's seen until right now uh, for opening schools in Brevard. And our goal here is to be able to teach students as safely as possible because there can be no replacement of a classroom teacher with students in the classroom. However, what we're hearing is a lot of narrative about what could be done and not enough procedures in place. We don't know what's gonna happen once a kid gets on a bus to the point where that child arrives at school, comes into the classroom. There's no narrative about how they're going to safely socially distance, how they're going to ensure um, that if there is exposure at the school, what exactly is going to happen and really a strong arm approach to open schools that could carry such a high risk of having students or teachers spread this disease that can and is fatal um, is is irresponsible. Yeah, so you're hoping for some more details when it comes to this. And I, I could foresee a situation in which not many details are released and kids go back to school and then once these kids are in class, it's going to be all on the teachers. The teacher is going to be the one who has to make these kids put on masks. The teacher is going to be the one who's going to have to clean in between classes. So do you feel like that's where this is going? The politicians are going to sort of keep things generic. And then once school goes back, pretty much all of it is going to be on the teacher's shoulders. Absolutely. 100% feels like a top-down approach. It's a demand from the state. Uh, and, and one of the biggest problems I saw was at first, you know, they said, okay, we're going to fund you. But the, the demand to open is still there. And the state didn't say you have to have X, Y, and Z in place uh, to be able to open safely. In fact, we saw uh, our governor uh, re regress some of the things that he had open. Um, bars are not open right now. Uh, and what do you do in a bar? You go in, you sit down, you crowd close together, uh, you hang out. And really, if you look at our classrooms, 
Sometimes you can have upwards from 25 to 60 kids in a class, depending on what the subject is. We have class size in Florida, but we all know that got thrown out of the window because it's unfunded. So really, if you're not looking at a small ratio of teachers to kids in each classroom, there's been nothing that shows that that kids will be safe or socially distanced in the classroom. Uh, and so we're kind of looking for, for more procedures, more specifics. And right now it's just, it seems like there's a bunch of rules or a bunch of narratives. And um, when something goes wrong, the teacher is going to be blamed or the administrator is going to be blamed. Yeah, it seems, uh, one person has a question here. Raven uh, brings up an interesting question. She's asking if this is even feasible. We already expect too much from our teachers. Now we're going to be putting more on their shoulders. She says it doesn't seem like a good fit. And when you really think about social distancing, keeping people six feet apart, keeping masks on, how are kids going to get on a school bus, which they're all packed in there together like sardines. We don't have enough school buses to, to fix that issue. Then you put them in a classroom, like you said, with 30 kids. There's there's It doesn't seem feasible, does it, to be able to have children separated six feet apart in a school? Is that even possible? No, it's not. And they even, I think, put in their plan two kids to a seat on a bus. That's not even close to being socially distant. Um, if you look at the school board meeting that's in progress right now, uh, in a live look into the room, they're using the school board room. All of them are completely spaced apart with their own table. That's just not going to be possible in school. And you also think about children who had to leave school early. They haven't seen their friends in months. And no matter the age, they're going to be so excited to see each other, and they should. The social-emotional aspect um, that these children are missing out on is huge. And so keeping them to keep their hands to themselves, to stay in their spot, to to not socialize or, or, or socialize from a distance, that's going to be an enormous task. And I think that teachers are looking to the district, they're looking to the leaders of, of their districts, the leaders of the state, the leaders of the nation to, to say, hey, this is, we want you to open, but these are the procedures that you should have in place to make sure that it, it's safe. And right now it looks like it's just kind of willy nilly, let's open schools, we'll tell everybody to socially distance and cross our fingers and hope that that actually happens. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is a difficult decision. I wanna, I wanna make sure that that is, you kind of mentioned it there. Like I have a daughter who's a sophomore in high school. I've got another daughter who's in middle school. And when they give you the choice so say I choose to keep my sophomore and high school daughter home and all the rest of her friends go back to school. They all get to socially interact together. My daughter, next thing you know, a year goes by, which is an eternity for kids, and they're sort of out of their social circle. Do you feel like almost leaving the option out there makes it so parents have to put their kids into school to avoid them getting set back socially? It, it's absolutely something that parents, um, uh, that, that huge choice. My son is in eighth grade, and I, I'm thinking about it as well. Uh, because one of the things I think is also detrimental is how much screen time uh, these, these kids are having. So 
you know, the way they hang out with their friends is on the screen now. The way they go to school is on the screen now. And and we've taken away that interaction, uh, which is so, so important. And so I really appreciate the, the narrative and the dialogue that everybody is having around this, you know, looking at we've got to make sure our kids are 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 so socialized we've got to make sure that they are mentally and emotionally uh well and so that's i think all teachers i don't know a teacher who doesn't want to to teach their kids and be with their kids but they want to make sure that they're not going to expose themselves and die from it or expose students who could also die or or take the the coronavirus home so everybody's hoping for a safe uh, way to return for everyone. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie Crawford brings up a good point on Facebook. She says, hazard pay? Question mark. I find that as an interesting idea, though I think I'd know the answer to it, knowing uh, the school's budgets these days. And that uh, just the fact that these teachers are putting themselves in harm's way, is there anything a teacher is going to be able to do if they're in that vulnerable population. And I know a lot of the teachers in your district either are in that vulnerable population or they have somebody at their house who's vulnerable, right? Do they have any options? Uh, at this point, I know that uh, we have spoken to many teachers who have either called us and said that they were concerned or emailed. And one of the biggest things is they're they're looking to get a position with either Florida Virtual School or Brevard Virtual Schools, and really there are not enough of those positions open uh, to hire all the teachers that are concerned about returning to brick and mortar in the fall or uh, next month, really. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that is a huge concern for these teachers. Uh, obviously, the president has been talking about this. I'd like to pull up uh, one of his tweets here. He said, "I, you know, the CDC came out with." Uh, a bunch of different regulations that they hope schools will put into effect. He says, I disagree with the CDC on the tough and expensive guidelines for opening schools. While they want them open, they're asking schools to do very impractical things. He says, I will be meeting with them. So when you read a tweet like that from the president of the United States, what do you think? Um, so I key in on one word there, and that one word is expensive. We have been underfunded here in Florida, and I know other states as well, for decades. We can't put a price tag on student safety. We can't put a price tag on faculty and school staff safety. If the president wants brick and mortar schools open, he should be willing to reallocate and recalibrate governmental funds to make sure that we can have smaller class sizes, to make sure that we can have as much plexiglass in between students and on buses as needed. And not only that, that we can actually hire and keep bus drivers by paying them a livable wage that we can hire enough teachers um, and, and pay them for their education and their experience. We just saw in Florida where our governor signed a pay plan that left out our most experienced teachers. And so if we don't value our public schools and we don't value the people that work in them, then we shouldn't insist that they go risk their lives every day if we're not going to put money behind that ask. Yeah, I think we can all agree that teachers have been highly underpaid. 
uh, for quite some time now. Yvette Connolly is weighing in here on Facebook. She says, bottom line, there will be a spike in cases if schools open. This is her opinion. Like Florida doesn't have enough at this time. Right now we're running at about 10,000 new cases per day. That's, that's a rough estimate right now. Sometimes it's 11, sometimes it's 7. But, Vanessa, there have been some countries who have been able to open up. There have been a Denmark, I think Finland, maybe Germany, who opened up their school years at different times, and they didn't see a spike in cases. And that's what politicians are saying right now. Do you take any solace in that? Are you hopeful with that? What does it make you think? I take no solace in that because those countries had plans in place um, to lock their countries down appropriately and to have specific protocol. Uh, I feel like the coronavirus procedures in Florida have been like the wild, wild west. It's uh, whatever, whoever wants to do, whenever, um, just do it because, you know, that's, that's your right, that's your freedom. Nobody has really discussed about um, looking out for your fellow human being or, you know, where your rights stop um, and another person's begins. And so in order to open schools, we, we can't act like we're not the top spot in the world right now for coronavirus cases. To open schools appropriately, we can't say things like that, that, that's too expensive to do all those safety measures. Right now, I know of two cases of teachers' children in our county who tested positive, and these are school-age children. So I, I don't take solace in that. Um, the other thing I don't take solace in is the, the lack of rapid testing. And I really think that we need to talk about um, teachers being considered essential personnel. And if they are exposed or somebody in their class is exposed, um, they are able to go get a test taken and get the results immediately. Now, that is a very good point, And Heather Hart just brought it up on Facebook as well. We obviously would need teachers to get tested, uh, you know, to keep not only them safe, but keep the students from bringing things home to their parents. Are you curious? Do you even think that could be a part of a plan? Because it doesn't seem like we have nearly enough testing in our state to be able to cover something like that. We don't, and I think that's been a problem since the beginning. Um, I drove past a site today, and the line to get tested was around the corner. And I'm hearing all these different stories about people who um, get tested and they don't hear anything for 10 to 15 days. And that's for both people that are negative or positive. We can't have that happening if a teacher is exposed or a student is exposed or a school is exposed, because we're talking about uh, siblings, maybe a, a sibling a test positive for COVID and they attend a middle school and they have a sibling in the elementary school and the high school in the chain and they've all ridden buses and um, been around each other. And so we need to know that that child, that teacher can go get a rapid test that's going to be reliable and get results so that we know who is positive, who is not positive and the scope of the exposure. Because if we don't know the scope of the exposure, we truly cannot um, make decisions uh, adequately to close a certain school site down or multiple school sites down. Yeah. Another thing I want to discuss, I, I can see some folks, we've got Brittany Edwards saying school should be open. And I know a lot of parents, uh, this is a tough situation because if your kid's not in school for a lot of jobs, you can't work. 
Um, so that is something I want to address as far as the economy goes and as far as keeping things rolling. Um, that is a tough situation for people. How do we deal with, with that aspect of things that if kids aren't able to go back to a brick and mortar school, that their parents, at least one of them, or if it's a single parent, they really don't have a choice, will not be able to go back to work. It, that's tough. And so I would ask everybody who's feeling that way to contact Governor DeSantis, to contact President Trump, and to ask that they fully fund safely reopening schools, that they fully fund all the safety protocols that would require social distancing to do everything and their power to make sure that we can go back to school. Because right now they're not doing that. They're just insisting that we open and they're calling it too, too expensive. And that's unacceptable. Students do need that social, mental, emotional peace. Um, and in order to make sure that they have that, and that parents are able to work and, and our society is able to return to some sense of normalcy, we have to have a commitment from our elected leadership to make sure to fund completely the safe reopening of our schools. Yeah, the fact is to do it safely, it's gonna right. cost a lot of money. Uh, PPE is certainly not cheap. Um, and we've got Linda weighing in, and we've talked about this a bit. She's asking, what about teachers who are over 65? And you answered that question earlier today. Uh, that's, there's really not a plan, at least in Brevard County, for those folks who are in vulnerable populations uh, to be able to not go in. We'll see if something happens, but we already don't have enough teachers uh, either. So it just seems like such a tough situation right now. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious as to... As we read these headlines and as we think about our teachers and our students, is there a situation the teachers union would be more comfortable? Are you guys hoping that we go back fully virtual or is there a part-time solution? I know uh, my, my niece's nephew in another state, I think it's Virginia, their plan is to have half the school go back Monday and Tuesday, sanitize the school on Wednesday, and then the other half of the kids so they can keep them socially distant, come back Thursday and Friday, and then they swap kind of virtually. I found that as an interesting, maybe more doable, maybe thoughtful idea than what's going around in Florida. Would you guys be more interested in something like that? We would absolutely be more interested in something like that. In fact, we made that suggestion um, to the reopening team in our county uh, to, to try something like that. We know that that has um, some implications on obviously the working parents as well, but the idea to be able to keep learning continuous and be able to clean the schools with fidelity and have less exposure, um, that uh, would be one of the ideas that we have presented. But we also go back to again, um, you know, the class size. Would we be able to 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 ratio out the students? Um, to make it smaller, and, and that's one of the ways we could definitely do it. Um, we also look at the different ages of the students. We know a plan like this would be um, a lot more fluid and effective uh, on, the, on the, grade, the older grade levels, maybe 6 to 12, 
um, but maybe not so conducive for the younger grade levels. But we absolutely are open to that type of plan and have suggested it to our leadership in the district. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And I haven't heard many people in Florida, at least at the higher levels, I've heard people hoping for it, but not many people uh, actually pitching that as a valid idea. So that's interesting that you guys have pitched that. Um, and people are bringing up stuff on the chat here that I hadn't even thought about. Heather Cox says, what happens when all the kids sit down to lunch together and they all have to take off their masks to eat? They're all talking loud, trying to talk over each other. It seems like a COVID nightmare. And it doesn't sound like there's any sort of plan to keep that from happening either, Vanessa. Right. So that was one of our big questions, too, um, is, you know, are they going to extend lunch periods? Are they going to add lunch periods in? And they did talk about that a little bit um, in, the, in the Brevard's plan, but there was no specifics. There was not, um, and it's going to look like a different uh plan for each school for sure because depending on the enrollment level of that school will depend on how many kids uh, in each lunch but I think each school should have some sort of direction from the district from the state from even the national government that says hey you should only have this many students per square foot in the lunch room at any time uh, that way we don't have those concerns because obviously you're going to have to take your mask off to eat so that you know a school that typically has four lunches might actually have to have eight lunches uh it is going to make a a, a scheduling nightmare but that scheduling nightmare needs to happen in order to keep our kids safe yeah it is certainly a logistical nightmare and and we're not saying these are easy decisions these politicians uh have to make that's for sure uh, but they are decisions that they seem like they're just saying, all right, everybody's going back to school full bore. We don't have a plan yeah. for PPE. We don't have a plan for buses. We don't have a plan for lunch. Good luck, everybody. Let's see what happens. And uh, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads right now. And a lot of people are worried. Vanessa Skipper, what a great conversation. Thank you. I'm more terrified yeah. than ever. And and honestly, I, you know, I have three kids in school. I go to schools and talk sometimes uh, for my job to tell them about being a news anchor. And every day I go, I say, these people need to make much more money than they're getting right now. You guys are heroes. So I want you to know we all appreciate what you do. Thank you very much. So, all right, Vanessa Skipper, Brevard Federation of Teachers. Thank you to everybody weighing in. I'm sorry I had a hard time keeping up. This is another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. I'm Matt Austin, Ginger Gaston. We'll be back next week. Have yourself a fantastic Thursday and a great weekend. Bye. Awesome. Bye.